everyone, Corey here, and you have landed on the weekly recap with Bible Discovery and Bible Discovery TV. So our assigned reading, we're reading through the Bible, the entire Bible this year, and our assigned reading for this week was Genesis chapter 26 to 47. I glanced over my computer because I didn't want to get it wrong. So if you've fallen behind in your reading, allow us to catch you up. And I say us because my husband, Matlock, is here joining me in the recap. Hey. This is Hi. Hey. Hi. Hey. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. <laughs> Round two. Round two. We're All doing right. we're doing another recap. We did one last week. Here comes another one at you. Okay, so let's just jump right in. Sure. Genesis chapter 26. All right. So we see Isaac now. Uh, he becomes the main patriarch. And uh, Isaac, of course, the son of Abraham and Sarah, the promised son. Uh, he goes, there's a famine in the land. And uh God speaks to Isaac and tells him, don't go to Egypt, because that was a place where they people traditionally went when Mm -hmm. there was a famine or a drought in the land because of the River Nile, etc. Don't go there. Instead, go to Gerar, which was the area where the Philistines were living. So Isaac goes to Abimelech, the king of Gerar. And, you know, we know that things could not have been peaceful in that time or in that region because Isaac pulls in Abraham. He does what his father did before him, where he he says to Rebecca, just tell everyone that you're my sister, <laughs> right. which of course she's not, yeah. but he's afraid that they're going to raid his camp or they're going to raid, you know, because uh, he had a large following of servants at this time, a big household. Uh, I don't want to be killed on account of you. So he's scared. Uh, And they go in, and basically what happens is uh, while they're staying in Gerar, Abimelech looks out of his palace and he sees Isaac, you know, caressing Rebecca. So he's holding her, he's kissing her, he's doing whatever, and he gets really, really upset. And it turns out that Abimelech, this king, who's probably a son or a grandson of the Abimelech that Abraham Abraham did this to, he acts with integrity and he's and he's he's upset. Why didn't you tell me this? One of my men may have slept with your wife. Yeah. So we learn that this isn't an upright community. Like they may have raped Rebecca uh, and then brought sin upon themselves because it would have been causing it. There's there the morals are not the morals that we have today. Uh, and so they have this very weird relationship, Isaac and Abimelech, the king of Gerar. And Isaac ends up at the end of this chapter. Uh, it, it tells us that he actually bought land there uh, and uh, planted crops successfully, which is something that Abraham hadn't done. Right. Abraham was nomadic. Right. But Isaac has actually bought land and successfully gotten you know a year of crops out of it. Um, and at the very end of the chapter, he makes a peace treaty with the king of Gerar, so with the Philistines in this area. So that is chapter 26. Do you have anything to say? No, I think that's that's perfect, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Nothing stands out as, you know, besides him, father-like son, just copying him. Yeah, 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 not great, not great. And and, and I think it's interesting how, you know, Isaac chooses not to trust, uh, but to act in fear, and he gets, he learns a lesson here about the people of the land having integrity, which is surprising to him. Right. Surprising to the narrative overall. That's right. Okay, uh, Genesis chapter 27. We have Esau. So Isaac and Rebecca have two sons that we read about last week. Uh, they were twins, Esau and Jacob. And uh, so we're told in chapter 27 that Esau marries two Hittite women and his parents are driven up the wall because of it. They're, they don't like the wives. They don't like that they're Hittite and they're not from the family. They really, really don't like this situation. Um, We also learned that Isaac, in his old age, he's lost his eyesight and he goes to bless Esau as the firstborn. We know that Esau's already forfeited his his firstborn inheritance. He'll still get inheritance, but it's not the firstborn one. But now the, the father, Isaac, is going to bless his sons. And Rebecca convinces and helps Jacob to trick Isaac into thinking that he's blessing Esau, but he's actually right. blessing Jacob. So not yeah. only has Jacob taken the bought the birthright for super cheap, now he's stolen the blessing as well. And I just want to mention um that you know we a lot of a lot of pastors and a lot of people really 
drag Rebecca through the mud on this one, which I mean, that's fair. There are fair criticisms of Rebecca to be had here. But if you remember back in Genesis chapter 25, when when Rebecca was pregnant with the twins, apparently it would, like they would move all the time. It was a very difficult pregnancy. And Rebecca uh, inquires of God, why is this happening to me? And in verse 23 of Genesis chapter 25, God says to Rebecca, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. So God's given Rebecca a prophecy right. that that the second born child will be more prominent. And apparently Isaac doesn't go with this. He doesn't go along with it because the Bible says that he favors Esau and Rebecca favors Jacob. And so potentially Rebecca's told Isaac, like you need to bless Jacob because God has told me that the younger will, the older will serve the younger and he hasn't listened. So there may be family dynamics here going on that we don't know, but we know that this was definitely a deception. Yeah, and I, what's really interesting here is too is is that despite the intentions of Isaac to bless Esau and, and really tr- even though he's blind, really doing his best to ensure that it was yeah. Esau. He's like, well, you, you can tell that yeah, he's he's, he's suspicious. Tr- he's suspicious. He still blesses him, thinking it's it's uh, Esau, but it's actually Jacob. But the blessing still moves forward to Jacob. Yes. Was it, it bypasses human intention? Yes. That's what's interesting. So if you think about today, when we're like, oh, it's about us activating or creating these intentions within ourselves to produce some sort of like, well, bam, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got you. Mm-hmm. It's This is a verse that kind of, and it's actually ironic because usually it's this area of Abraham that's used to, you know, with its prosperity gospel or something, right. used to favor these things. So I just think that's really interesting. Right, that God had purposes despite human despite, purposes that exactly. were going on. Is that that's what a, you mean? That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, um, right. So Esau, just at the very end of chapter 27, Rebecca overhears Esau talking about how as soon as Isaac dies, he's going to kill Jacob as well to take revenge. Um, So Rebecca gets Jacob to leave and he flees back to Rebecca's family, um, back to his uncle Laban in Haran. Basically, he's supposed to be there waiting for Rebecca to send for him and say, you know, it's it's cool to come back. Esau's moved on. Uh, okay, so Genesis chapter 28 then. Um, Isaac does bless Jacob for his journey, and he charges him to marry a woman. He's like, you're going there anyway. Marry a woman from your mother's family. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, when Esau hears that, that that's their desire for Jacob, he, he actually marries another woman so a third wife this time a descendant of ishmael right uh which would be his uncle yeah his half uncle um trying to please his parents but it it doesn't work jacob in genesis chapter 28 uh, has that dream at the city of bethel where he sees the staircase to heaven and angels coming and going from it and that prompts him to say wow this is the house of god Mm -hmm. um and one day i'll build a house of God here, so I'll build a, a, an altar, I'll build a shrine, is something like that to right. God. And this is where Abraham sanctuary. was called too. Yes. yes, yes, Abraham definitely has history, yeah. history at Bethel as well, which is interesting. Okay, Genesis chapter twenty-nine. So Jacob arrives at Padan Aram in mm. Haran uh, to find his relatives, and uh, we get this story of him meeting Rachel. And uh, there was, he, he goes to this well where there are shepherds gathering and uh, he meets Rachel the shepherd, right? And, and helps her out. Um, Jacob seems to be really emotionally swept up. At this instant, he cries and he embraces Rachel uh, and like maybe even swept up in the romance of meeting a woman the way the servant of Abraham met Rebecca. You know, I've yeah. met a relative, <laughs> a, a, a nice-looking, eligible wife, potentially, at the well, just like my mother, Rebecca, was met at the well by Abraham's servant. So maybe, mm. I don't know. He seems like he would be the kind of guy to be swept up in the moment. Yeah, I, I would imagine. So. <laughs> Hearsay, yeah. but you never know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Jacob then, uh, Rachel takes him back mm-hmm. to her father's home. And uh, he tells Laban his predicament and he ends up staying with Laban and uh, 
working for Laban, uh, basically for the bride price to marry Rachel. Right. Because he didn't have he didn't have financial wealth to give Laban for Rachel, which was the custom. After seven years that he worked for him for the bride price of Rachel, Laban tricks Jacob into marrying Leah. So probably yes. gets him drunk with the wedding festival and then just sends Leah in as the bride with the veil on instead of Rachel. Um, Laban then suggests working another seven years for Rachel with Jacob does. Uh, and he gets, he, he gets Rachel for his wife as well which is very brutal because then yes. you have these two sisters, which goes directly and, against the law of God later on. Right. Right. Yes, for sure. And Leah is clearly like struggling with this whole situation for Jacob just to like her. It's very sad actually. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's not as if women had had a ton of choices. Yeah. Back then. Right. Um, they, they really didn't, they were up to, they didn't have legal rights the same way that women in the West have legal rights today. Right. So it really depended on your father and your brothers. And right. some women, you know, they inherited wealth and they were very well off and, right. and could make their own decisions and others could not. So and really Le, yeah, Levan is kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of getting what is just desserts in this sense. Like, what's his name? Uh, Jacob is has already tricked, duped Esau twice, essentially. And now here. He, he gets duped. He gets duped several times. Several times. And, and I know in the text, like Jacob, previous to this, or even still in the moment, is like not seen as like some people look at him like a hero, but it's oh no, no, no. He's actually like even his name, the heel grabber. I'm pretty sure is like deceiver, deceiver, cheater. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's like a play on words. And even Esau, um, you know, has said he's rightly named yeah. Jacob, deceiver. He's <laughs> yeah. rightly named. He gets mad. That's at him. right. So yeah, it's just interesting here because. Through this process, he's actually being humbled at the same time. The deceiver gets deceived. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. Okay, so then the last part of chapter 29 that actually goes into Genesis chapter 30 is what I like to call the baby wars between Leah and Rachel. And this is so sad for me as a woman to read about where, you know, um, Rachel is barren at first, and um, but Leah is not. And so, you know, God gives motherhood to Leah kind of to console her for being an unloved wife or an right. unpreferred wife, even though she's the first wife right. um, of Jacob. Um, and, you know, it's really brutal because then uh, Rachel starts having children through her maidservant. Yeah. Because that was a legal way that they could do it, a surrogate, right? right. Um, and then so does Leah. And it yeah. just descends out of control where they're having all of these children uh, just to compete with one another for the love right. of Jacob or the the favor. And I'm sure Jacob. that would actually like that would actually affect your children. Yes. That attitude. And so when Joseph gets the multicolored coat, like in the next chapter or so, uh, I'm sure that attitude was just like the baby war attitude as you called it, would just be like as part of their family yep. dynamic. A very yep. dysfunctional. No, situation. definitely yeah. because because we've got like one of the sons of Leah going out and picking mandrake and bringing it back because that was seen as a like a traditional medicine to right. help conception. So they get their older children involved in this process as well, which is very sad. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, in chapter 30 as well, uh, Jacob strikes a deal with Laban. He's trying to leave, but he's also trying to build his wealth and get out of there. So we see that process in chapter 30. In chapter 31, Jacob starts getting suspicious of Laban and Laban's sons because they start uh, acting differently towards him. And he overhears people talking about, you know, well, maybe he has, he's, he's been deceiving us somehow because right. his flocks are growing under the agreement that he had with Laban. Right. Uh, but they're growing more and, and multiplying faster than Laban's flocks are. So there's some some hard feelings that are that are starting to happen. Uh, and God ends up telling Jacob to leave. Right. Uh, we find out that he's been there for 20 years. Wow. And yeah. it, so that's quite a long time. And for a long time to be duping somebody. <laughs> a long time to be duping, <laughs> yeah. and a, a long time for him to be having children. Um, and when Jacob calls on Rachel and Leah as his wives and he's like, hey, I want to get out of here, yeah. 
they're on board because they are also done with their father. Right. So you've just got family trouble all over the place. You know, it, basically they accuse him, Laban, of not setting aside their bride price for them, but spending it. Um, and this was to treat them not as daughters, but basically, right. basically selling them. Right. Very shameful, dishonorable. Yeah. yeah. Very dishonorable to yeah. them. Yeah. So they are ready to walk away. And Rachel is not ready to walk away without exacting revenge. We're told that she steals her father's household idols. Mm. Um, you know, and, and wrapped up in that concept of household idols would be the cultic blessing, you know, through household idols and, and giving offerings to them. You were attempting to get spiritual blessings. Uh, you were you were supposed to protect them. Also, there would have been monetary value on them because with with idols, they were often covered in precious metals and uh, clothed in very expensive clothing and given jewelry. Uh, That's interesting. So it was a blow to right. him religiously. It was a blow to him socially because if anyone found out, that would be very shameful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also a blow to him financially which may have been her motivation with the whole bride price situation. Okay. So we're told that three days after they've left, Laban hears that they're gone right. uh, and he ends up catching up with them. But luckily God has appeared to Laban in a strange twist of events. <laughs> yeah, right. God has appeared to Laban and told him not to harm Jacob. Uh, but he asks Jacob about the gods, like someone stole my household gods. And Jacob's like, no way. And if someone has, the man who has it will be put to death. Yeah. They're not Doesn't going to Doesn't know that Rachel... Does not know. Yeah. So he wasn't in on it. He wasn't yeah. in on this kind of deception. And um, they weren't found. Rachel hid them. Right. Uh, and they left in peace. So that's chapter 31. Yes. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. And I think it's important thing to hear too is that like despite all these things, just because this behavior is happening, like – doesn't mean the Bible's endorsing that. I know Laban is in the negative. Like he's kind of viewed as like a negative, but even with Jacob's behavior, the Bible yes. does not endorse their behavior despite the fact that God uses it. Um, okay, yeah, yes. this is a huge thing. Right. This is a huge concept because people all the time accuse the Bible of being chauvinistic or misogynistic or racist. There are definitely chauvinistic and misogynistic and racist things in the Bible. There are evil things in the Bible, but just because the Bible's talking about it doesn't mean that it's endorsing it. Right. Yeah. hundred percent because yeah, yeah, in fact, it's just telling you exactly what happened. And (laughs) so it's actually more of an honest portrayal of how human culture was. And it's not trying to beat around the bush. Most cultures were just like, view their guys as heroes. Like, you know, even the idea of like, well, we'll get into this in Exodus, but them being from slaves is like a very, like you don't want to be, you want to be from kings, you want to yes. be from honor, a very yep. honor and shame culture. You don't get this, oh, let's make ourselves look like we're from shame. Yeah. And then you just, you don't get that in honor shame There's cultures. not like an underdog kind of mentality in yeah. the ancient Near East. Totally you just don't not. see yeah. it. Yeah, you just don't see it. Yeah. Um, and 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 also when you when you zoom back even more, and like the Jewish tradition says that Moses wrote Genesis, so Moses also wrote down the Mosaic Law, and in the Mosaic Law there are laws of God that very clearly the patriarchs broke. Mm, yeah. They married close relatives. Right. They. Um, married sisters that's right. against the law when you read it when you read in exodus leviticus and numbers and deuteronomy um men weren't supposed to marry sisters. jacob does that yeah so it's almost by recording and being honest with this history it's almost as if moses and god are saying look at where you came from yeah don't be this yeah i have rescued you like god would be saying i have rescued you from this yeah i have taken you from evil and my plan for you is good mm-hmm. right that whole be holy for i am holy. the purpose is to point to god as good as opposed to yeah. man. that's the whole point yeah. But, like, yeah don't worship your ancestors right don't venerate them venerate me right yeah it's very interesting it is very interesting it is it is genesis 32 okay i was gonna be like where, where did i stop <laughs> yeah where, where was that i gotcha thank you Okay, Genesis 32. Okay, Genesis has this way of casually just saying things that 
I feel like should not be casually said. Okay, like, go ahead. It, it just casually says that Jacob meets the angels of God on his way. Oh, yeah, and this kind of bypasses it. it just... And then moves on. Yeah. And it just moves on to, like, to the preparations that he took to meet Esau. Then he names it, too, because he... he... Like, we... Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> it just so casually... But what's interesting, too, is later on here, is this is when he wrestles, correct? Yes. So he sees the angels, then later on he wrestles a man, it says. But then yes. earlier he sees an angel. So there's this connection there, but we can get to that as we get down to the chapter. Yeah, yeah. He, he literally wrestles and, and, and um, you know, names the place Peniel, which means face of God, because he's seen the face of God. And yet. And lived. lived. Yeah, yeah. And lived. Um. Which is wild. Okay, yes, but in the beginning of chapter 32, it literally says, Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God, so he named the place Maniah. Yeah, and then it's just like, Jacob sent but, messengers. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does help set up the fact that later on, it doesn't say angels of the Lord wrestled him. It just says a man. But then it confirms yes. at the end. Yes. So, yeah, so, so he's seen angels, so, so he, messengers right. of God, I guess. So it helps set that up. So it's like it's not just like... All of a sudden, he's in a wrestling match. So casual with these things that I would like <laughs> yeah, to know. know more about. Yeah, that's right. I would like to know more about this, Joseph. Okay. So um, his preparations to meet Esau basically are sending very large gifts of herds of animals on ahead of him for Esau uh, to kind of butter him up. Um, then, you know, Jacob sends, he wants to prepare himself, I guess, spiritually or mentally, probably both. So he sends his wives on ahead uh, of, of him and he spends the night, ends up wrestling with God, which is really interesting, a manifestation of God. Uh, and I love when Jacob says, please tell me your name. And it says, but he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed Jacob there. So this is after they're finished wrestling. Yeah. And Jacob's like, just tell me your name. He's like, why do you ask? Yeah. And um, then he blesses them. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it's because I saw God face to face. Right. And yet my life and this was spared. the God man pre-incarnate. That's it. That's what's so fascinating about mm -hmm. it. Is that like, you can't really ignore it. It's everywhere throughout the text. Mm -hmm. uh, there's something here too that's important is that this is the first indication of Jacob's character change really comes out. Okay. Especially in verse 10 uh, to 12. I'll just mm -hmm. read it for you. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I have crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. And he's praying to God here, of course. Right. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come uh, and attack me, the mothers and their children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So this is never explicitly said, but he's applying the Abrahamic covenant mm. to himself. It was never said, but Rebecca must have told him, you're the, old, you're the one who's going to be over the older. Right. This is for you. Right. So he's confident in this, but you can see that his heart... I'm not worthy. Beforehand, he would do it. I need this. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. all like, let me, give me, give me, give me. I deserve me. this. Yeah, that's right. But now it's kind of like, no, I'm not worthy of this at all. And Esau's right. in the right. I was wrong. Mm. And so he has this like, he's completely been humbled. So you have this like, this concept of repentance mm -hmm. being the steadfast faithfulness aspect. It's never been just like about the law itself. Mm -hmm. Like you have this faithfulness always from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Always. And so that's, I just think that's important. That's like the character change really just very visible in, in there. Uh, yeah. That we didn't do after 20 years of being, you know, with yeah. the land. Yeah. I think they yeah. should change. But well, yeah. I think too, it's interesting that as a result of this encounter, um, where, where in which he wrestles a manifestation of God, his hip, he always walks with a limp and right. presumably pain in his hip. So he's physically changed because of this encounter. Perhaps it's a reminder to keep him humble, right. um, to let him know that it wasn't just some sort of scary dream right. that he had had but i remember there's a commentator that i was reading in um and she said you never wrestle with the truth and walk away unchanged mm. and i really like that mm -hmm. i really like that because that that is true yeah that is a true principle that's, that's interesting. okay so in genesis chapter 33 jacob meets esau and it goes surprisingly well um esau uh wants jacob to visit um, but Jacob, uh, 
says that he will, but first he stops. And um, I'm trying to remember the place name. He stops first uh, because he has to let, he has a lot of flocks and mm. children, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Uh, so we're also told that Jacob settles at the city of Shechem. And he buys a plot of land by the city of Shechem to pitch his tent on, a city that, if not at that time, later on would become a very powerful city right in the middle of the land of Israel. Um, so the Bible then at this point in chapter 33 kind of drops the Esau narrative. We don't hear tons and tons about him after that, although we can assume there's a lot more to the Jacob-Esau dynamic because they did live in roughly the same area. Uh, so I'm sure that they did interact throughout their lives. Okay, okay. Genesis chapter 34. This is a this is another rough one. Uh, this is the really tragic story of Jacob's daughter Dinah. She was raped by the prince of the city, whose name was Shechem, um, and. So what we have in Genesis chapter 34 is, on the one hand, a personal tragedy for Dinah. Yes. Because now um, she was not like an eligible bachelorette. Like right. no, not very many people would want to marry her. Um, that's just the way culture worked. Uh, but also, I think more of the reason why this is in the scripture is because it shows a time when Jacob's family was very much in danger. Um, if they didn't, the question for them would have been, how do we now respond to one of the like, weaker members of our society being taken advantage right. of? How do we handle this? And there were two completely separate ways represented in this chapter that they wanted to deal with it. Jacob wanted to make a deal. All right. Dinah and, and, and our family, we will intermingle with the people of Shechem. We will marry and be given in marriage. We will have peace. We will have an economic treaty and our people will become one people. Right. Essentially. The brothers of Dinah did not think that that was a good idea, probably because they believed if they didn't respond very swiftly and very harshly, the family of Jacob could then easily be disrespected by other people groups in the area. Mm -hmm. They wanted to send a quick, swift, harsh message that the family of Jacob was not to be messed with. Right. So you see these two, so what ends up happening is um, the brothers get the men of Shechem to be circumcised. They're like, no, this is an agreement of marriage. If you want to intermarry with us, you have to be circumcised like we are. So right. Shechem and the men of Shechem agree that they will do that. And while they're still recovering, uh, Dinah's full blood brothers go in and slaughter all the men of Shechem. Yeah. So this is this is an example of just the, the punishment does not fit the crime. Rape is a serious crime and it's yeah. awful. But it doesn't mean that hundreds of people should be murdered right? for, for one thing, right? But yeah. this was them clearly sending a message, do not mess with the family of Jacob. And then Jacob took that and he was like, what are you doing? Because now, now you've put a bigger target on our backs. They're going to see us as a problem mm -hmm. and, and other nations are going to come against us now. So you've got this really interesting political drama going on in uh, all set off by a personal tragedy. Right. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. It's really interesting. And it makes sense. Like, yeah. The retaliation. It makes sense why Jacob would think that. It's like, right. Why go to war for all that and lose more people? Yep. Especially if this guy's willing to marry her. So he's right to kind of, it could be something. That... Well, and he was probably banking on the protection of the king and the prince and the right. people of Shechem. Yeah. It's totally. That was his move. way of like, yeah. look. We're not going to become a target for the other nations if we marry in with the royal family of Shechem. Right. Yeah. And they were kind of using it for their own advantage, too. It was like a double double thing. Yep. But yeah, the whole situation was uh, just bad. Bad. Yeah. bad, bad, bad. Okay. Genesis chapter 35. So Jacob moves on from Shechem and he settles at the city of Bethel. Uh, he wants to make uh, that promised altar or, or high place to God. Uh, so... 
on his way to Bethel, uh, you know, God tells him to go to Bethel. So he, he calls everyone in his family and he's like, all right, everybody, it's time to hand over your idols and we're going to bury them. So I guess all of his servants and his family have been practicing their own religions within the household. And he wants to bury them at Shechem before they move on. So at this point, probably Rachel would have come clean. Right. Because she all of a sudden had these idols. idols. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Jacob is renamed Israel in this chapter. Um, and Rachel dies in childbirth on her way from Bethel to Bethlehem. So they're, they're traveling. Um, and she's buried along the way, mm. along the way to those two cities. So it's possible that this was connected or at least in Jacob's mind was connected to that curse. Remember when Laban caught up to them? Yes. And Jacob said, whoever has the idols will die. Yes. So then it, I don't think it's any coincidence that in the very chapter where no, all the household yeah. idols had to be coughed up. It's a total And connection. she was yeah. found out. Yeah. Then she dies. And of course she doesn't, she dies in childbirth, but Jacob probably would have blamed himself for that. Yeah. For, for the curse. Yeah. Um, so her deception leads to her death. Right. And um, probably goes a long way into explaining why Jacob favored Benjamin and Joseph so much. So the, the two children of Rachel. That, and he also wanted to marry Rachel from the beginning. So yeah. it's, like, it's all part of, yeah, right. It's all part of it. So like she was obviously the favorite wife, but also the fact that he only got two children from her and may have held himself responsible for her death. Yes. May have felt like he owed Definitely something compounded. to her children. Yeah, for sure. Right? Okay. Um, then Esau's descendants. Yes. So really quickly, Genesis chapter 36 is just a record of Esau's descendants. The Edomites. The Edomites, the rulers of Edom. And then Genesis chapter 37, we get the interesting story of Jacob's sons, the twisted tale yeah. of Jacob's sons. So uh, first we've got Joseph, right. uh, who is the son of Rachel. He dreams all these arrogant dreams. That may have been true. They yeah. were true. Well, they came. He presented them arrogantly. They weren't arrogant in and of themselves. Yes. Yes, and I think that's that's part of it too. How you express yourself is important. It's part of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. a big trouble. But either way. But yeah. Either way. So he he is hated by his brothers not only for being favored by his father, but also for having these really arrogant dreams in which they're serving him. Yeah. And he's telling them, guess what? In my dreams, you serve and me. Even Jacob's Ooh. like, when he's like, oh, this, uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars are all bowing to me. And he's like, me too? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> me and your mother too? We're also going to bow to you Yeah, kid? That's right, yeah. Okay, so still in chapter 37, uh, so the brothers of Joseph beat him up and they're trying to decide if they're going to kill him or not. And Judah decides, hey, why don't we not bring blood guilt on ourselves and let's make a little extra side cash and we'll just sell him as a slave and we'll get money and then we won't have his blood on our hands. So that's what they do. Um, the slave traders bring him to Egypt. He's sold to Potiphar, the mm. captain of the guard. Um, and then the brothers try to trick, they trick Jacob by taking Joseph's coat and like tearing it up and putting animal blood on it so that it looks like, um, he was attacked by a lion or something Yeah. and eaten. Uh, and this is also really brutal because it was Jacob who had sent Joseph out to find his brothers. Right. So Jacob's now probably like, I killed my wife and, and now, now I son. killed my son. Yeah. Of Rachel. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Genesis chapter 38. Oh, man. Judah. Judah, Judah, Judah. Okay, so we, we've seen how it was Judah's idea to sell Joseph rather than just kill him. And now in, in chapter 38, we see more of Judah's character revealed, and it's not great. So Judah is the fourth son of Jacob uh, by Leah. So he is Leah's son. Um he leaves the family to venture out on his own. He marries a Canaanite woman, which remember, right. it's a big no-no in his family. And he has three sons. And when the firstborn son grows up, Judah arranges a marriage to a woman named Tamar, but the son dies. And the Bible tells us because he's a wicked man. Yeah. So he dies. Not sure what that means. Would like to know what that means. <laughs> like, did, did he just die because God thought he was wicked or did he get himself involved in a situation in which right. he died? Yeah, because either, he was wicked. Yeah, and either work could work. Like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. 
Um, so then Judah tells that this his second born son, okay, you have to you have to marry Tamar now in order to have a child for your brother. Mm -hmm. So this was just a practice so that the inheritance lines didn't stop. Uh, so the brother would have a child uh, uh, through Tamar, but it would be called his his dead brother's child so that it could mm -hmm. get his inheritance. Um, he too was wicked, uh, and so he died. Um, then Judah lied to Tamar and her family, um, and he, he didn't have the third son marry her because he's like, oh, my third son's going to die. It's this woman's fault, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> bad, bad, bad omen, right? So after a really long time, um, Tamar's been in mourning. She hasn't got remarried. She's still waiting. Judah's wife dies, and he goes to, to the city of Timnah to look at some business. And Tamar finds out that he's coming to town. And so she dresses up like a prostitute. And lo and behold, Judah takes the bait. And he gives her in pledge that he will pay her he gives her his seal, its cord and staff. So it's probably a cylinder seal that was on his walking staff um, or perhaps on a pin that was holding his cloak. Basically, this represented his authority. Like right. it was literally his ancient signature. Yeah. Um, he, when he sends payment back to her, she's not there because she wasn't a prostitute. Um, and he lets this whole issue go. He's like, I'm not going to try to find my seal. I'll just get a new one, even though there's a, he thinks like in his head, he must be thinking there's a prostitute out there somewhere buying things with my seal, but I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> Oops, I just hit the mic. Sorry, guys. Because this is too embarrassing. I was yeah. outwitted by a prostitute, right? Like yeah. he doesn't want to go there. When word gets to him, however, that Tamar is pregnant, he decides that he's going to execute her. He's going to have her killed mm -hmm. uh, uh, for cheating on his son that he never let her marry. Um, no one embarrasses Judah. Yeah. No one embarrasses <laughs> Judah. When Tamar produces the seal, his seal, Judah is humiliated. Uh, and she has twins uh, for her dead, in her dead husband's name. Right. Uh, and she names them Perez and Zara. Right. And what's interesting is that Perez is in King David's line and therefore in the line of Jesus Christ. Right. Which is very cool. Very interesting. Okay. All right. That was long. Yes. Sorry about that. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> Genesis chapter 39, this takes us back to Joseph. So Joseph became very uh, prominent. Yes. He did really well in Potiphar's household, um, but Potiphar's wife wants to start an intimate relationship with Joseph, and he says no. Uh, she's embarrassed, and so she accuses him of attempted rape, and he goes to prison. Um, even in jail, though, he rises to prominence because I guess he's just a really good, hardworking, respectful kind of guy. Right. In Genesis chapter 40, we see this incident of the cupbearer and the baker to Pharaoh. They've been sent to prison and they have these dreams. And Joseph interprets these dreams for them. One, that the guy's going to die. And the other one, that the guy's going to be released. Yeah. And sure enough, it happens because God has given Joseph the ability to interpret these dreams. And he's just like, remember me when you go, when, when you go no back up, just remember me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And wah, wah, wah. <laughs> no one does. No one does. <laughs> no one does. Genesis chapter 41, two years later, hmm. the Pharaoh of Egypt has a dream that no one can interpret. And this is when the cupbearer who didn't die remembers, oh yeah, that guy in prison, he's really good at interpreting dreams. <laughs> so he gets Joseph out of prison yeah. and Joseph is able to interpret the dream, which is very ominous, which Pharaoh must have known yeah. because he was willing to pull some random guy out of prison. Right. Uh, that there's going to be a seven-year famine, and that Joseph interprets the dream, gives the credit to God, and gives an idea for a solution. Right. And Pharaoh, who is very impressed and thinks that Joseph is filled with the spirit of his God, right, because he was able to interpret the dream so well, decides to give Joseph the authority to do this plan to move forward with this plan of saving food and organizing the kingdom in a way that Egypt will be okay. Right. What I think is really interesting here too 
is that God is speaking to people in ways they expect and understand. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, I think you could probably elaborate this all you want. But in, in this situation here specifically, you have, it's a peculiar dream. It's something that mm-hmm. none of us would have today. But clearly it's something that, you know, they, they even look at the cupbearer's dream. It was just like these types of dreams. Yeah, it's cultural. It's cultural. There they was expect like, gods to speak to them through them. That's right. So it's like what's interesting here is that God, they expected God to speak to them in this way. And God still does it. Mm. Right? And meets them where they're at. Um, it's, uh, and that's important that God is meeting people where they're at in their lives. And uh, he's not just expecting you to have a full understanding like right away. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. But. And we've seen that throughout Genesis mm. where God gives a dream to Pharaoh back with Abraham yeah. um, and, and, and things of that nature. And it's going to continue. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely is a theme that God meets people where they're at and speaks to them in a way that they have the best possible opportunity to understand. Mm. He's not like expecting us all to speak his language. <laughs> yeah. Right. Instead he speaks ours. Yeah. Which is definitely a mercy of God. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Really cool. Very cool. Oh, at the end of chapter 41, Joseph gets married to an Egyptian and has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Right. That's just important. So goes his rise to power. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, And uh, Pharaoh becomes super wealthy because of Joseph, so he likes him a lot. Okay. (laughs) Genesis chapter 42, Joseph's brothers are forced to come to Egypt because this famine isn't just in Egypt. It's across the whole Middle East. Um, everyone goes, all the brothers go except for Benjamin because we're told that Jacob's afraid that something's going to happen to Benjamin. Yeah. So he's become very protective. Rachel then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And if he Rachel... sends up, he's going to be guilt is on his head. Exactly. Yeah, so he's like, no, 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 I can't, I can't yeah. let my son go now. I'm going to protect him as long as I can kind of thing. Um, okay. Joseph recognizes his brothers and he accuses them of being spies and, um, in order to get them to tell him all about his family Mm -hmm. and, and how it's going. Um, Joseph says, you know, if you're telling the truth about your family and about who you are, then you, you, you'll bring your younger brother here. The only brother that you don't have, bring him here. Um, and be vindicated. And they're like, no, we can't do that. We can't, my, my, our dad will never go for that. So he imprisons them for seven, for three days and eavesdrops mm. on their conversations because they don't think that he speaks their language because he looks Egyptian and sounds yeah. Egyptian. Which and is interesting in itself. And he's speaking Egyptian. Yeah. He's speaking to them through an interpreter. That's right. So he is essentially Egyptian Yeah. at this point, which is very interesting. But he's got a heart for God. And, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. We can talk about this. For a while, but keep going. So Joseph hears the brothers talking about their regret over selling him. They're like, yeah. "We're here because we sold our brother. This is like this is our just reward, essentially." Yeah. Um, and Joseph decides to keep Simeon and let the other brothers go with food, uh, with the deal still intact. So they he, he's going to see if they'll come back. And there's with a big, Benjamin. There's a big character change here for Judah as well. Yet the second second trip. Yes. This isn't yet. Yeah, sorry. But that, yeah, we'll get there. But yeah. yeah. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're right, right, right. So they go back to their father and they're like, look, in order to get Simeon out of jail, we have to bring Benjamin back. Right. And Jacob's like, no. He can <laughs> yeah. stay in jail. Yeah. But in Genesis chapter 43, they run out of food again. Right. And so they're like, look, Benjamin's going to die of starvation anyway. You might as well let him go to Egypt so we have a chance of living. Yeah. And Jacob lets him go. Joseph meets them and feeds them uh, in Genesis chapter 43. And we're told that he's really emotional. The the amount of patience this man has, I have Mm -hmm. to say, to hold this, to reveal, like, to conceal his identity. he's deciding if he wants to reveal himself or not. I know. But he's also, like, weeping on the side and, like, weeping. Like, the fact that he's able to conceal it for this long, that's That's an impressive amount of patience. Like, anyways, but yeah. Yeah, this, this Perhaps built up by many years in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also yeah. by being in Egypt and having to live in Egypt all the while having very different yeah. beliefs than them. That's right. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 44, Joseph sends the brothers on their way with grain, but he also sets a trap. He hides a silver cup, a divination cup, mm. in Benjamin's sack, like his bag of grain. Mm. And... Um, when they're inevitably caught, because this was a ruse, 
Um, this time it's Judah who takes the initiative and he reveals that he believes God's punishing them for their treatment of Joseph. Um, and he's, cause he's basically like, look, we sold our brother into slavery and now God is going, now God is selling us into slavery because we know Benjamin didn't steal this. So yeah. this is a miracle of God because he wants to make us Egyptian slaves. Um, Joseph says, you know what? That's okay. I'll release you all, but I'll keep Benjamin. So he sets up the same scenario right. for them. And Judah explains the situation to Joseph and he's like, take me instead. Right. I will stay. This is like a huge character change. Huge, huge. character change for, for Judah. You have the full repentance here. You can see it. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time someone comes back with a repentant heart, that's who God chooses. Yeah. Every time. It's like, doesn't matter all the things you've done wrong up to this point. It's like there was a block. It's like you, mm -hmm. there was a block there. Then you realized I was wrong mm -hmm. and I fully admit that I was wrong. Mm -hmm. So this, this, this faithful, repentive heart is like underpinning all of God's, God's showing you like, <laughs> all right, this is how I work with people. Yeah. This is how I move. Yeah. If you have this, right, I'll bless you and it's, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Anyways. And I think even for the future of Israel, the kings were going to come from Judah. David mm -hmm. was from the tribe of Judah. And so they couldn't look to their forefather with pride because in the Bible, we see how Judah was a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. And God changed him mm -hmm. and forgave him. And so again, it's that look, look from where you came and look at where I've brought you. You don't look to your ancestors for pride. Right. You look to your ancestors to see the testimony of how God works. Right. Which is an amazing thing. Yeah, and that's what we'll get later on with Exodus too. Yeah. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Exactly. Don't forget it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You were slaves and now you're not. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, Joseph, in Genesis chapter 45, Joseph totally breaks down crying and he reveals himself to his brothers. He's yeah. like, this, this is it. You've changed. Yeah. Um, he tells them that he believes that God had actually sent him here uh, because he now is in the position to save mm. all of them. And the dream has been fulfilled. The dream has been fulfilled. So he sends gifts and Egyptian carts with the yeah. brothers. And he's like, go get everyone and bring them back because there's still five years of famine left. And yeah. you've already had to come here twice for food. So just come and, and I'll provide for you. Genesis chapter 46, Jacob and the family do come back to Egypt. There's a list in this chapter of all the men in the family who went to Egypt. And then there's this reunion between the father and son, which is very heartwarming. And then they prepare to meet Pharaoh so they could ask for the land of Goshen, which was right. in the Eastern Nile Delta uh, to live in. Okay. In Genesis chapter 47, they're allowed to settle in Goshen. And so they do. And then it launches into an explanation of just how Joseph made Pharaoh rich. So basically, first people started paying him with money. When the money was gone, they gave him their livestock. When the livestock was gone, they gave him their land and they were just working on it. And then when there was no more land, they basically sold themselves to Pharaoh. We will work for you now. Mm. So we'll, we'll take a cut of it, but everything that we have belongs to you. A fifth of the produce of the land belonged to Pharaoh. And then they got the rest. So it was like a tax system. Right. Um, so really, in Egypt, apparently, only the priests of Egypt retained their land and their economic freedom. Everyone else was subservient to Pharaoh hmm. at that point. Right. So the whole economic system changed because of this famine. That's interesting. It and is. Because it sets up yeah. for some not great stuff in no. the future. But is there any, like, it's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Have you studied this subject a lot? with terms of Joseph and his impact on Egyptian culture. Is there any archeological evidence? Oh man. Or anything? I know we're running out of time, but like, what do you, we're kind of here, we're in the midst of it at the very we're end. We're in the midst of it. There's some really intriguing research, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not fully brought up to the cusp of it. I'm still looking into it because the nature of Bible discovery, we go so fast. Right. I'm only able to spend a certain amount of time in Genesis, Exodus, and then I have to move on for the rest of the year. So right. every year I'm adding a new layer of understanding <laughs> right, right, right. kind of. Um, but there's some really interesting research that has gone into looking, looking at the economics of Egypt and seeing uh, when, like at what point in Egyptian history 
did only the priests retain their land? Right. Like, when did Pharaoh become supremely powerful? And there is evidence mm. for a changeover, um, even though um, I don't. I think in Egyptology they don't know the reasoning for the changeover, but there there is there is evidence for a changeover in the economic system, which is really cool. That's really interesting. Yes, and I'm reading a couple books right now. Yeah. Because that, that I'm really excited before about this, like Abraham's like on par with Pharaoh, like he's yeah right like he's respect like they seem like they're like they're like equals among men right, mm -hmm. but then after this it's kind of like Pharaoh just gets boom 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 he becomes more of an emperor in yeah. terms of he owns everything rather yeah. than just just a king he becomes a proper Pharaoh yeah like when we when we think about Pharaohs of Egypt being all powerful representing God to the people and having like total control right. that's. That's right. what we got here, but it, it, it wasn't always that and way. And what's so interesting, too, is, too, with this whole idea of, like, basically looking pagan, is that you have Joseph. Yes, who, looking pagan. And in, dis in disguise ah. comes and saves Israel and his mm -hmm. children, mm -hmm. right? The descendants of Israel, um, which is a clear Christological, like, motif. Right. That comes later, right? And that's the idea that we have here. It's like uh, when you look at Daniel and everyone, when they see when the, the idols raised up, the yeah. abomination of desolation, they begin to Israel begins to weep and mourn. Right? This is the same idea here, so where you have like what's been concealed, what's been Jesus Christ, is the one who saves all along, and he looks pagan. He doesn't look like Israel. He doesn't look like the things that they have, mm -hmm. but he's something else, and he's uh, he's right under their noses. But anyways, we can talk about that for a while. I know we're running out of time. We are. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I can't keep. We can't talk about it. But anyways. Food for well, thought. It'll, it'll come up as I'm we sure go. It will. As we go. I, yeah. But sure anyway, will. we do have to go. So please, I keep hitting the mic. I'm so sorry if you just hear like, that's just me. That's just my face hitting the mic. <laughs> okay, guys. If you have any comments or questions about uh, the reading this week, pop them in the comments down below. If you want a shorter version of this, there's also going to be a link to that in the description. Uh, I hope you have a good week, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content, but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.